Before I get started on today's CSG special, I would like to talk to you about Carefree Cuisine. Uh, they are a place that kind of creates um, allergen-free, uh, sterile kitchen meals that are extremely tasty and are uh, available for you to go from your freezer to your microwave and to your dinner table. They are big meals, they are tasty meals, and they are First and foremost, convenient for those of us who, like, you know, we're all on lockdown right now. We are looking for convenience, we're looking for storability, and you're looking for good health. And uh, quite frankly, you cannot get any better than Carefree Cuisine. Uh, call Pat Guerin at 303-630-9568 or email at info at carefreecuisine.com. Uh, they will let you know what kind of meals they've got. They've got vegan meals. Uh, soon they'll have high-protein, uh, keto-friendly meals. Um, quite frankly, uh, I will, whenever they get the uh, the keto meals done, I will be there right at the front and center, uh, getting those meals because you know that's the diet that I am on currently. Um, you can also contact them at, at Cuisine Carefree on Twitter, or you can ask questions at, at PG Money on Twitter. Uh, that's Pat Guerin, the owner of the company. It is all things that just we need right now in, in a in a state of lockdown, in a state of quarantine. You need convenience. They are they provide Curbside pickup, but you got to call ahead of time and you got to email because the hours are varying right now. And uh, they also will be providing overnight delivery. And they have a deal for six meals for $99 with the overnight delivery. So get on that deal right now. These are big, healthy meals that you will all enjoy. Once again, they are carefreecuisine.com, uh, and you can contact them at info at carefreecuisine.com or call them at 303-630-9568. And when you do, tell them Jeff Morton from the Mortcast and CSG Podcast sent you there. Charlene Chaharless. The lady you've been talking dirty to on telephone every day last week. Yeah, all right. You know what? You can't tie me to that. Yeah, well, who needs to? Because your ass is on a plane back to New Jersey, Jagoff. Oh, man. I just want to get mixed up with that bitch. Because she got a great ass. And you got your head all the way up it. Ferocious, aren't I? When I think of asses, woman's ass, something comes out of me. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest CSG special. This one will be featuring the movie Heat. Um, one of... It's an indelible movie. Let me just put it to you that way. It's one of those movies that uh, I will forever be burned into my head because it is a movie... I think I was 17 when the movie came out. It came out in the summer of 1995. And... It was one of those movies that came out in a series of 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 in the mid '90s, starting in basically about 1994 and ending about '96 ish. Um, there were summer blockbuster movies that were three hours long. Uh, you're talking Tombstone, Heat, you know, uh, all these uh, uh, Wyatt Earp, all these movies that came out during that time, which were, I mean, uh, Heat clocks in at 170 minutes 
which is for a summer movie, that's a long thing. And that would explain why it in the United States, it only made its money back plus seven million. Um, but it ended up being a hit worldwide with taking in just under two hundred million dollars. Um, but it is it is a movie that is was notable for several different things, um, primarily because this was the first, quote, on screen appearance of of uh, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro in the same movie. Um, they were in the Godfather Part Two, but they never shared the same screen. Uh, it was a uh, Robert De Niro playing a, a young um, Vito Corleone, and uh, obviously Al Pacino playing Michael Corleone later on. So it wasn't... It wasn't the same thing, but they did appear in the same movie. This is the first time they appeared in the same scene, and um, it was notable for that, and it was big hype leading up to it. It was uh, also notable because this movie had been, like, had been attempted to be made in various forms since 1979 by Michael Mann, the, the director of the movie. Uh, Michael Mann uh, conceived the script all the way back in 1969, and it's based on a real-life uh, uh, cop named um, Adamson, uh, Adamson, excuse me, Chuck Adamson, and um, a real-life criminal who was an uh, out of Alcatraz. Um, uh, in a his name was Neil McCauley, who is the same name that uh, Robert De Niro plays in the movie, and. The the pilot of uh, uh, it all it got so far as being made into a pilot for a unproduced television series, um, which was called L.A. Takedown, and the the actual pilot aired in 1989, and it was released as a TV movie, but it never went beyond that. And this movie came out as a big time labor of love for Michael Mann. Um, the reason it what didn't get made in, into a TV series in 1989 is that the the network that was it was going to be on I think it was ABC could have been anyway was going to be um, uh, didn't like the leading star they didn't like the uh, the person who was initially supposed to star in it um, and so that basically it led off to a standoff with the uh, television uh, production company and it, the thing never got made into a series <clears throat> it was it, it was interesting to see the, the development of this movie as, as an extreme labor of love for Michael Mann You'll never find um, something like this being made right now. It is it's particularly in a, as a summer movie. Uh, this movie came out in a in a way that it, it, this movie came out in a way that you wouldn't see in two thousand. I mean, look, there was a nearly three hour long Marvel movie, but for a procedural crime drama, you're not going to see that. You just are not going to see it. And it came out during a specific and very unique time period in the mid-90s where movies like this were all coming out. They all had the panoramic widescreen look to them. Uh, I think even True Lies, which came out in 2000, excuse me, 1994, was clocked in over two hours long. Uh, there was a, just a series of long movies, and this is one of them. Now, you can look at the plot of Heat and think that maybe it was too long. The, the, the actual plot isn't something that should 
spread over nearly three hours. But it is a well-acted movie, and I do believe uh, I'd be right in saying that it's one of the more notable, um, probably after Scent of a Woman, probably Al Pacino's most notable 90s movie. And for De Niro, um, it just continued on his his streak of, of good good movies. Now, the critic reception at the time wasn't great, and they always they talked about uh, how long the movie was. Um, but they also came back to that um, diner scene between De Niro and Pacino, which legend has it was filmed filmed separately. Um, that it was kind of linked and kind of like was the glue that held the entire film together. Uh, and if we're to kind of give you a backstory about the plot, it's basically the pursuit. And, and if you really want to boil the, this movie down, if you really want to boil this movie down, it's to show how messed up the cops were as well as the people who were committing the crimes. And this movie didn't come out Ah, I got my sorry, sorry, sorry. This was not a summer movie. This was it came out in December. That is why, because I was almost eighteen when this movie came out. I'm my apologies. <laughs> this movie came out December fifteenth, nineteen ninety five, and uh, it was almost nineteen ninety six. And that, now I remember the series of events. I saw it with a group of friends. So anyway, forget what I said about summer movies. But it was done during that 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 era where you uh, saw long movies. Um, this basically, this movie centers around, uh, the opening scene, which is a, uh, botched robbery, uh, because of a man named Wayne who accidentally killed a guard. Um, and then he accidentally or purposely kills another one. Um, and then it just snowballed from there. It's kind of like if you've ever seen the movie things to do in Denver when you're dead, it's, it's around the botched robbery attempt. And that botched robbery attempt leads to a series of, of un, unwinding events, uh, which includes the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the group, which can in, included uh, a still viable Val Kilmer uh, as an actor, um, and uh, also includes uh, uh, some more who, who just, they didn't, the one mistake or quote, quote unquote mistake by this one person causes the thread to be pulled and everyone to get lose their lives or end up in prison. And uh, the rest of the movie is about the pursuit of, of Wayne And it was about Al Pacino's character, uh, Hannah, Vincent Hannah, trying to find um, Neil McCauley and his crew. Uh, before something else. It's like there are a lot of different threads coming together. It's also about how fucked up uh, Vincent, uh, Vincent Hanna is and his family life is. And in an interview in 2016, um, Al Pacino said that his character was on cocaine the entire uh, movie, which is an interesting revelation because if you look at... Um, Pacino's performance, he's, he's very wired. He's very intense the entire time. <clears throat> this uh, uh, podcast started off with the, probably the most famous lines from the movie, and it's just, it's, 
Al Pacino's eyes are wide and they are um, intense and they are um, determined. And Pacino's character and his family life in that are revealed to be just as messed up as everyone else. And the overall arching theme of the movie was about how the people who pursue the criminals are just as messed up as the criminals. And also a backstory about uh, Neil McCauley, uh, Robert De Niro's character, having trying to begin this relationship and this, this woman being in love with him and all that stuff. I'm not going to give away the whole movie. Just like the Chinatown episode, I'm not going to give away the whole movie. Um, this movie came out, like I said, as I revised in late 1995. And like I said, it, it didn't get a tremendous reception like you, you would think it would. Um, it was probably during a time when we were starting to see more summer blockbusters. I think Twister came out in 1995, the summer. And, uh, it just didn't have that. It was the, it was the era of disaster films culminating in 1998 with, um, Armageddon and Deep Impact and those things. Okay. It was just each, each summer, each disaster got more disastrous. <laughs> and I think the next, the next summer, 96 was, uh, volcano and, uh, Dante's peak. Okay. They're just, they're just disaster, disaster, disaster and, uh, independence day. So you get to see more and more destruction of, of, of things. This was kind of stood out. This wasn't a summer movie, but it stood out as a long blockbuster movie that was a procedural movie. It wasn't outside of the really intense botched robbery part of the beginning of the film. This really was a cerebral movie about a you know, cat and mouse game be- between Neil McCauley and Vincent Hanna. And really that's where the, 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 the whole string of events lies. The movie kind of has gained a tremendous reputation Later, um, it's in one of, another one of those movies that didn't have the benefit of a tremendous reception, but gained kind of like a lot of John Carpenter movies. It gained a ton of esteem as the years rolled on. Um, kind of like Al Pacino in another Al Pacino movie, Any Given Sunday. Things kind of, in hindsight, become much more clear. And De Niro and Pacino particularly, and in particular, uh, this is the time of uh, Pacino's over-the-top performances. This one stood out to a lot of people, particularly that scene that I played at the beginning of this uh, episode. It was one of those things that kind of um, was emblematic of the time. Like I said, this movie could not be made right now. Heat could not be made right now. The opening sequence could. And, you know, it's like in 1996, I think, it was when The Rock came out. If any of you remember uh, the um, Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage movie, The Rock, which was a Jerry Bruckheimer, Don Simpson production, uh, it was, it came out in 96, and it was nothing but action. And it kind of put into put into motion the slow motion car wrecks. Everything's nonstop action, action, action. When that movie, if you really think about it, the rock was held together by John Connery. 
if you think about the movie in hindsight, there's nothing there. There's nothing there in that movie. It's just a bunch of scenes with people looking wistfully in the distance, then distance and a bunch of car explosions. Um, I think Nick Cage did a bunch of those movies back then. Con Air is another one. Um, but this movie is more cerebral. This movie is kind of in more in the line with Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, which came out the same year. Uh, a movie with, uh, again, with Al Pacino and an ensemble movie about salespeople, <laughs> a movie that is, uh, I highly suggest everyone watch. It was based on a play, um, that I think everyone needs to see that movie and then see this movie. And you will know that they kind of have the same feel about them. Um, for an action film, Heat is very, it's not your typical action film. It's, it's not a ton of action. And it is a bunch outside, like I said, outside of that, Botched robbery, which was intense and really, really well shot at the beginning, but the rest of the movie is a cat and mouse game. And if you can't, if you don't pay attention, and if you aren't one of some someone who's going to sit down and watch the nuance, uh, you, you may not like this movie. But it came out during a time where a lot of movies were like this, uh, and a lot of movies were long, and they required a lot of a lot of uh, investment. You couldn't just sit there and check out. And uh, Heat is a great example of that. Before I continue with the rest of the podcast, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines. Uh, yesterday, I had a couple uh, bottles of wine delivered to me up in the kingdom of Thornton. Um, and it was great. The, right now, Blanchard Family Wines is, has a 20% of off of all bottles discount happening. Get on this. I got a great deal on a couple bottles of excellent wine, uh, Cabernet, that um, I'm going to really enjoy while I am in isolation right now. It is, they are great. They, they, Bionetra Family Wines really went out of their way to get these bottles of wine up to me, and I appreciated that on a ton of different levels, trust me. Um, Blanchard Family Wines has their own vineyards in Sonoma County, which are still operational. Uh, they got... Where obviously Sonoma County, California, Pinot Noir is their, you know, is the is the wine of the uh, of the Californias. Um, but also they got, like I said, Cabernet um, Riesling from a partnership with a uh, Western Slope Vineyard. Uh, blends a rosé, whites, anything you need, and also they have uh, charcuterie, which is meats and cheeses that they can send with you if you order that as well, along with this wine. Say you want to have a nice nice evening with your partner uh, and you're stuck in there in the house with it, it's nothing better than Blanchard Family Wines. I enjoy them. I've enjoyed them since I first went in there in June of 2019, and uh, they are going above and beyond to get people wine right now. They are located between, eight, uh, between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. If you want to go pick up some wine, they are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. You can contact them at BlanchardFamilyWines.com. Um, I contacted them via e email at info at BlanchardFamilyWines.com. It was, they were prompt in response. They got exactly what I needed. And they personally delivered it to me in the metro area. And they're also offering that service. 
Blanchard Family Wines is the place to go if you want wine in Denver, even now as we're on lockdown. I highly suggest you go. And when you do, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. It's becoming a theme with movies as they get along that, that, that cerebral movies cannot be blockbusters. And this, I mean, he wasn't. He, like, it, it, was, it made its money back in the United States. Now, it was released in December, which is the second blockbuster time of uh, movies. In, it's either the summer or the Christmas time, like basically late November into December where people start watching movies again, or used to. Um, so that was released during that time. It didn't make a ton of money, but it did make its money back and then was a mega hit in the foreign markets and made almost $200 million. To me, it is of its time. Uh, Heat is a very 90s film. Uh, it, it couldn't be made right now. You would have to change a whole bunch of aspects of it, and it wouldn't be changed for the better. Heat is a movie that relies on the lack of mobile technology. It's a movie that relies on the disconnectedness. It's a movie that requires people disappearing and you investigating and finding where they are. And in those kinds of movies, I don't think can be made right now convincingly. Um, people don't have a grasp of the era. And in 1995, yes, we had the internet. Yes, all that stuff. But it wasn't, it wasn't what it is now. The connectedness wasn't there. And it just would not, you could not make it. You could not make the movie. And you couldn't, um, you couldn't pull it off as convincingly. You know, you look at what Pacino is making now with uh, Hunters, and you look at uh, The Irishman, which was just released on Netflix. You know, obviously De Niro and Pacino are still making movies, and then, of course they have appeared together in many movies since Heat. But Heat was the novelty of them appearing. I mean, like they'd both been acting since the early 70s. So uh, 25 years, essentially was the first time they'd appeared on, quote, on screen together. But it's not, you know, the novelty isn't there. And the novelty was there in 1995. Um, a couple of over-the-top performances. Val Kilmer does a great job as being being the unhinged one. Um, the, you know... Hank Azaria gives a good performance. Uh, he is in that scene that I played at the beginning. Um, it's just, it's an ensemble cast with star, a couple of stars at the front. A cerebral movie about how cops are just as messed up as the criminals they pursue. And really, when you think about it, when you think about it, it's it's one of those things that you um, you just... Transport your mind, those of you are old enough, transport your mind back to 1995 and think, what was my reaction when I saw this at the time? And would I have the same reaction now if I saw it? And honestly, that's a question we don't know. But to me, still to this day, the movie holds up as a timepiece of what was going on in 1995, and it's still enjoyable to watch. Thank you all for joining me on the latest 
CSU Podcast. This is CSU Special. I'll be back with a regular Mortcast on the next podcast in April. Another month. Stay safe, everyone. Goodbye.